Vamos. Welcome back to Ghostbusters Minute. Ghostbusters Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1984, yes, 1984 film Ghostbusters Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm ready. And today we're here to bring you Minute number 91. Now, I can tell you exactly why I got screwed up on the year. Uh, every time we podcast this episode, we're doing it from our studio, and there's a giant uh, picture of New York City skyline behind your head, of That's Rockefeller right. Center, of the gentlemen out there, the iron workers who are welders. Sitting on the beam, together. Yeah. yeah, and we can see Central Park in the background, and below it at the bottom, it says Rockefeller Center, New York, 1932. But It's the same. It's the same. Today we are doing minute number 91 of Ghostbusters. So in the previous minute, the Ghostbusters were given the chance by Gozer to determine and summon the form of the Traveler. As the minute ended, Ray inadvertently made the decision to summon. At minute number 91, Ray gives a long look and says finally it's the stay puff marshmallow man at 9105 we see stay puff make his screen debut as he steps down the buildings and onto the street sometimes excuse me from in between the buildings and onto the street as he steps out people are running in panic and cars crash into each other people abandon their cars as they run as a panicked mob while a rotund marketing icon stomps through new york at 9137 peter vankman stares down at stay puff and says well, there's something you don't see every day. Ray says that he tried to think of the most harmless thing, something that he loved from his childhood, something that could never possibly destroy them. Mr. Stay Puffed. Venkman says, well, nice thinking, Ray. At 91.50, Ray says that they used to roast Stay Puffed marshmallows by the fire at Camp Wakanda. At 91.59, Venkman says that Ray has gone bye-bye and asks Egon what he has left. And thus ends minute number 91 of Ghostbusters. So the main thrust of this minute is to show the panicked people running away from Stay Puff. About half of this minute is just a mob of people abandoning their cars and running away as Stay Puff walks out. And I think this probably this long pause of just all these people emptying out their cars is to give the audience time to laugh at the absurdity that they see on screen. Mr. Stay Puff walking out like some sort of King Kong or Godzilla and stomping on the ground through these cars. It's hilarious. Yeah. The look that Stay Puff has on his face is this comedic kind of like child's childish delight almost and there's this like low growl coming from him but he's just like arms out to the side this big old fat marshmallow man walking down the street and people running for their lives from him yeah uh now initially his uh appearance was supposed to be him coming out of the water uh next to the statue of liberty that's right um to give it some scale but it just proved a little bit too difficult so they said we'll just have it come around the building now i personally enjoy the fact that he's just coming right out of thin air Mm -hmm. i think that's a little bit makes a little bit more sense yeah um I've got some uh, some info. Yeah, let's Mr. talk Stay about Puff this because we have I think of a lot of information on Stay Puff Marshmallow. The Stay Puff Marshmallow. I mean, he's very well documented here in the Ghostbusters uh, visual history, written by Daniel Wallace. And I do highly suggest if you're a fan yeah, of Ghostbusters resource. to get this thing. Um, so it was in uh, Dan Aykroyd's idea from the very beginning, and it came. The design came from a mix uh, of the Michelin Man, the Pilber, Pillsbury Doughboy, and the Angelus Marshmallow Man, which is like a, a kind of a lesser known type of marshmallow huh, okay. type thing, you know? Um, and it was going to be, Mr. Stay Puff was actually originally going to be one of several giants that were going to be coming through the city and attacking it. But Ivan Reitman said, you know, it gives him a little bit more emphasis to just have him be the only one. And that would have been incredibly costly. Right. I think these, uh, there were three suits of uh, Stay Puff made for the movie. They cost about $20,000 a piece. Mm-hmm. So. And they were all destroyed. Yeah. So that amazing piece of like film memorabilia is gone. But you know, hey, yeah, had to. Uh, and they were actually performed by the suit builder, Bill Bryan. Uh, and what was, you know, a 
kind of a mix of miniatures and live action all put together. So yeah, and I think whenever they shot that, it was actually slowed down from full speed. It was kind of a slow motion yeah. uh, shot of it, which gives him kind of this gait where he's like walking very slowly, like Godzilla through Tokyo. Yeah, basically the exact same uh, method that they would have used to shoot a Godzilla movie. Uh, so. The suit actually had two different layers. The outer layer was uh, flammable, and the inside was fireproof, so that uh, Bill Bryan, the designer of the suit, when he was walking around and climbing up the side of the building and everything, you know, would be uh, safe inside the suit. So here's something interesting about the Stay Puft suit that I noticed while kind of looking over some of the notes on the production of the movie. Uh, it was built to full scale. That's a full-size adult in this thing. This is not... Now, usually in a movie like this, I figure for budgetary reasons, they would probably build a much smaller version, and they would have, like a smaller person in it. And I don't mean necessarily mean a little person, uh, but probably yeah. like a ballerina or something like that. Some or you know, a horse jockey basically to, to be in a smaller suit to say for budgetary reasons. But no, this is, and I'm going to pull this page back here. The thing is huge. Wow. The Stay Puft Marshmallow Jeez. Man is about six feet tall, it looks like, mm -hmm. and actually you're walking through a scaled-down version of New York there. So that is crazy yeah. that they actually built three of them to that size. One of them, of course, was to be destroyed. It was to be set on fire in, in, in a minute that's coming up here for a second. So You know, and I, I don't know if it's in this uh, this minute or one coming up, but I'll probably forget about it if it is. So um, there's a moment where he steps into a fire hydrant, I believe, and you see the yeah. water coming out. That's actually salt. Oh, is uh, it, it was really? salt or sand because you can't miniaturize water. So they had, uh, I believe it's either salt or sand spraying up out of the out of the hydrant. I have a fact about that, uh, but I'll save it for a minute because it's coming up in the next minute. It's something right. I just read here a second ago that kind of blew my mind a little bit. So that'll be coming on probably tomorrow's episode. So yeah, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, just an amazing design. Like you said, it does look a lot like the Michelin Man and the Pillsbury Doughboy. It's kind of a combination of those two, but it's... It's so weird because we talked on an earlier episode about how you only get two references to Stay Puft before this. Neither of them are in dialogue. It's both visual cues. When Dana Barrett's in her apartment at the very beginning cooking, excuse me, the eggs are cooking themselves on the counter, there's a Stay Puft marshmallow bag there on the counter with it, right? And then later in the movie when the ghosts are escaping from the Ghostbusters firehouse from the containment unit, you actually see an old Stay Puft uh, like faded logo on, on the, the side building, of the building, yeah. but it's so small, you really can't catch it. So it's a little weird that Ray says, it's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, because it's not a thing that exists in reality. And I'm wondering how difficult that was for the audience to catch on to it. Yeah. Uh, at one point, Ivan Reitman thought about shooting a stop-action Stay Puft Marshmallow uh, commercial uh, to be inserted before Dana Barrett saw the information on the Ghostbusters. So it's like she's walking into her apartment really? at the tail end of a stop motion Stay Puft Marshmallow Man cartoon. See, yeah. that's, that's so interesting because it almost doesn't matter. And yeah, it to, really doesn't. Yeah, no. to go to that kind of trouble to do the matte painting of the uh, design, the logo on the side of the building earlier right. is like, damn. You know, that's attention to detail. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, and Ghostbusters is rife with attention to detail. Something mm -hmm. that I didn't appreciate when I watched this movie and all these, it's it's subliminal is what it is. It's yeah. great storytelling because you don't notice it. Doesn't it draw attention to itself? But if you want to go back and break it down minute by minute, these things will start to jump out at you. It's, and it's another one of those, uh, it's, a, it's another example of how the filmmakers did not enter into this particular project to make another Stripes. Right. To yeah. make another National Lampoons. They went into this making something totally different. Yeah. And with... Uh, such respect for it. Yeah. So that's just a, you know, a little example of that. All right. Well, that's pretty much all we have for this minute. All right, folks. Have a great day. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And we're here to remind you that death is but a door. Time a window. We'll be back. Ghostbusters Minute is a fan-supported podcast. To become a patron of Ghostbusters Minute and gain access to exclusive weekly bonus content, visit us at patreon.com slash gbminute. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. 
You can contact us at GhostbustersMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at GhostbustersMinute.com, Facebook.com slash GhostbustersMinute, Twitter.com slash GBMinute, and look us up on Instagram at GhostbustersMinute. Our theme song is Ectoplasm by Audionautics, which is licensed under the Creative Commons Attributions License. Music